Is your company or organization ready for a cyber crisis? I'm Edward Siegel, a leadership strategy senior contributor for Forbes.com and author of the best-selling and award-winning book, Crisis Ahead, 101 Ways to Prepare for and Bounce Back from Disasters, Scandals, and Other Emergencies. Every industry is facing some level of cyber risk. My guest today is Kate Keene, Chief Trust Officer and Managing Director at Aon. She'll share her advice and insights on how those in the private and government sectors can determine their readiness for cyber crisis and what they can do to prepare for and keep up with the latest threats. Thanks for coming on the show today, Kate. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Edward. I really appreciate you taking the time with me. Uh, what's the cyber climate look like today? Are there any key trends that we should be paying attention to that have surfaced over the past few years? Yeah, you know, it's interesting when you talk about the cyber climate. We're all familiar with the fact that cyber threats are out there. You know, we see the news headlines about things like ransomware. We hear about things like cyber warfare happening within, you know, the constraints of what's going on right now between Russia and China. And from a nation state perspective, what's happening in the Ukraine but the reality is, is that if you think about it contextually, there's really three areas that we want to focus on today. The first is that we're seeing a difference in cyber attacks and the fact that they're coming from the inside out. So things like supply chain disruption, insider threat, understanding that the threats can come from inside an organization, code manipulation, and not just things from like phishing campaigns and what we hear about as far as like, you know, Nigerian princes, but the fact that the new attacks are happening within an environment is a real shift in how we've always thought about cyber threat. The second trend that we're seeing is we're seeing really the first ramifications of the Russian-Ukraine conflict from a cyber warfare perspective. And the most recent ransomware attacks we're seeing have been to some degree un unrecoverable. You pay the ransom, you get the key, and guess what? You don't get your data back. So globally, we're starting to have to think from a crisis perspective of what are the resilient strategies to make sure that if you don't get the data back from a ransomware attack, how do you stay in business? How do you have the proper backups, the right resiliency to approach that situation from a tabletop perspective, the situation that you're not going to get your data back? The third trend that we're seeing has to do with this concept of how you can manipulate in a negative or nefarious way AI and, and ML. So things like deep fake attacks, there was a bank in Asia that had 300 million stolen because of a deep fake voice simulation of one of their key executives. You know, thinking about things like there's been a lot of talked about chat DBT and, you know, term papers being, uh, you know, written by AI codes, could malware be done that way? Could there be attacks from an AI contamination perspective? poisoning of data sets. And so this brave new world we're living in, the metaverse, how is that going to start thinking um, and pull through from a cyber perspective when you consider threat? Well, that's certainly a lot to worry about. So how can those in the private and government sectors find out if they're really prepared for a cyber crisis? Uh, or do you think that they can ever really be ready for such situations? So it's, you know, from a private sector and a government perspective, there's really three things to think about. One is you always want to assess your organization's maturity, you know, not just from a cyber perspective of we have these types of tools, 
but how do your employees understand their role in cyber preparedness? You know, do they, are they in denial? Oh, what happened to us? We're just this local little thing. You know, it really can't, you know, cause us any problems. The reality is, is that many small businesses that, that actually suffer a cyber breach go out of business within 48 hours. So the denial piece can be a big issue. Are they in worry? You know, oh my gosh, I don't know if we have enough solutions. We haven't trained our employees. What are we doing? That kind of a thing. How do you get them past worry? How do you get them to a stage of being a leader where they understand the hard lessons, the actual ramifications from both a financial, a reputational, and an operational risk perspective, and making good decisions about where they want to go from a cyber perspective? The reality is, is that as long as humans use computers, and as long as we rely in a digital world on digital assets, there will be cyber threat. It's just the nature of the beast. And so remembering that and understanding that good cyber hygiene, good cyber maturity should be the baseline. It's that pay to play. It's the mandatory minimum security solutions you should have in order to best protect your business to a responsible level. Is it going to keep you safe from everything? No, but it allows you to sleep at night that you've done the right things for your employees, your customers, your supply chain across. And what we're seeing from a government perspective is that the governments are starting to give some really good recommendations. I love what this has done with the, the cyber preparedness guide of what businesses should be thinking about from a minimum perspective. That coupled with good cyber insurance, I think is the most responsible way we as an industry can approach the coming threats. You just mentioned a buzzword that not everyone might be familiar about with, and that's uh, the phrase uh, cyber maturity. Uh, tell us a little bit more what that is, what it means, and why it can be so important to an organization. Sure. So cyber maturity is um, you know, your approach and how you respond from a life cycle perspective to risk. So I look at it in kind of five different areas. The first from a cyber maturity perspective is identifying, do you have cyber risk and where does it live? Is it operational? Is it reputational? Is it supply chain? Is it with your people? Is it within your infrastructure? What would happen if there was a cyber attack? Where is there going to be the biggest impact? You know, if you had a breach and it hit your customers, would your reputation be damaged? If you had a breach and it hit your, you know, your, your data centers, what is the operational damage? If there was a breach and it hit your suppliers, what is the overarching third party and fourth party damage? Understanding to that level. So that's identifying. The next is assessing that damage. What actually is the risk? What would happen? What would be the financial ramifications? What services do you need to mitigate? That goes into then mitigation. How do you create a roadmap to go from, say, a maturity score of zero to five or two to eight? What is the acceptable level of maturity you should have based on industry standards, your counterparts, your competitors? How do you mitigate to that point? The next is transfer. The question is, do you have not only from a technical and a human perspective, the right maturity, but do you have things like cyber insurance or does the rest of your insurance portfolio have a cyber component? Do you understand what type of compliance and regulatory pieces you should be thinking about from a cyber perspective? And have you transferred the risk effectively to ensure that you understand all areas of how it's going to impact your business? And the last is recover. Kind of again, like an insurance policy, 
you know, if there's a rainy day, if there's an attack, what do you do? Do you have a communication plan? Do you know who you call? Do you have retainers in place to help you quickly recover? Would you know what you would do? And do you know your responsibilities of reporting if a breach happens and in the timeframes necessary to ensure that on top of a breach, you don't have fines? That's what we talk about from cyber maturity is understanding that really risk is a life cycle and cyber impacts all areas of that life cycle. Well, unfortunately, every industry now faces some type of cyber risks. So how can executives do a better job understanding where those risks are coming from? (laughs) I used to say that cyber impacted every risk but climate. And a very, very brilliant woman actually showed me that, yep, even in climate, there's cyber risks. So you're right, Edward. Every single part of our world can be impacted from a cyber risk perspective. Here's the problem. You could spend every day, all day long, talking about what could happen. You know, I I happen to love cyber. It's my life. So, you know, I look at it two, three hours a day, but most people don't want to do that. So what I would say is for organizations, have a trusted advisor. Look for an organization that can help you understand what are the main threats. And there's really four areas or theaters of threat and then a big one that we don't think about. So the four theaters of threat are hacktivism, nation state, terrorism, and then um, financial criminal. And every organization is going to be appealing to some level of all four. The question is, are you a one or are you a 10? But the reality is, is that 50% of cyber risk comes from inside, either intentionally or unintentionally malicious inside threat. And so as an organization, having a trusted advisor that can assess which area you should be more concerned about and who are the stakeholders that need to be most concerned? Is it you know, from a hacker perspective, you know, somebody's going to attack you. Is it a shareholder perspective, the, the, the impact on a stock when there's an attack? What is the impact there? Is it a regulatory perspective? If you don't have the right controls, what is the regulatory impact? Or is it an insurability perspective? You know, if you're in a highly regulated industry and you lose your insurance because of a cyber attack, what is the impact there? So understanding the business aspect of the risk not just that there's 50,000 ransomware campaigns a day and we could be approached by one of them and all that, but having somebody kind of curate the noise to tell you what's really impactful from a business perspective and how you should educate that down to all levels of your organization is the most important thing organizations can do. Well, thanks to the dramatic rise in cyber attacks, the role of chief information security officers has really grown over the past few years. What are your thoughts, Kate, of how organizations can be absolutely sure that the priorities of their security staff are really in sync with the priorities of their leadership? Sure. So um, the role of CISO has changed. And even, you know, I've been in the industry now for 25 years and CISOs used to be very, very technical people. You know, they would be the ones implementing all those black boxes in the corner to make sure we had the right firewalls and the IDSs and the IPSs and more acronyms than you could ever shake a stick at. Today, we're seeing a change where the CISO has really become the risk executive. It's their job to help translate from a board or a C-level perspective the business strategic risk into the technical risk that we have to utilize to safeguard our organizations. So having the C-levels participate hand-in-hand with giving the CISO the understanding of what are the crown jewels? 
What is the strategic data? What are our roadmap plans? What would be the biggest thing or impact from a reputation and operational supply chain? You keep hearing me say all these words that are board level risks. Having the CISO be a partner in understanding those risks so they then can translate it into their language of what type of attack, what type of defense, what type of defense in depth do we need, and then bringing it back to the board in a way the board can consume it, saying, look, you know, we need a defense in depth strategy to understand how we're going to put zero trust around our crown jewels. This is why this is important, because if we have a breach and we lose this data, the reputational damage is going to be X. That's what the role of the CISO is coming, is this comprehensive risk executive who can bridge the gap between business and cyber. And what role do uh, those chief information security officers play in the federal level? Um, How do uh, federal level uh, government agencies uh, and departments uh, rely on those uh, security team members? Same way. I mean, so the exact same way. So if you think about it, you know, the, the, the CISOs we see within the government agencies, they have the same, in essence, responsibility. They have to roll out the priorities that have been set forth by, you know, CISA and others. Great example is the Zero Trust uh, uh, initiative that's coming out that all of the government agencies are going to live to a Zero Trust standard. And there's a reason for it, like the reputational damage if there was a breach in the the federal government, you know, the supply chain damage if all of a sudden there was a leak of data that went across multiple departments. They have the same um, role as you see in the Fortune 500,000 of being that risk executive that takes and understands the not in essence business, but the federal initiative risk and translating it to the blueprints and the templates that the government has set forth for the agencies. And really they become the stewards then of this type of new type of CISO, because if we get it right from a federal level, it's much easier to roll out in the mid market because we, we understand how to do it and we can publish guides to help others do it. You mentioned priorities just now. Some people might get uh, concerned or maybe even frustrated when trying to figure out which of their organization's many assets they should try to protect from cyber attacks. Uh, the bad news is, of course, that these attacks are very likely to continue to evolve and even grow in mm-hmm. size and scope. So how can people keep up with and respond to the latest threats? Well, there's always a question about the latest threats. I mean, so here's the reality of the situation. You can protect yourself 24 hours a day, seven days a week, spend every dollar on cyber solutions and still be unprotectable. It's just the nature of what we deal with. So how do you pick the right ones? Again, trusted advisor. So there's a couple of things. One, staying on top of hygiene, meaning do your patching. Don't let you know updates go too long. If a critical vulnerability is released by one of your software partners, make sure it's addressed quickly. That's the technical aspect is, you know, just kind of like we would with a house, make sure you wash your windows, lock your doors, and keep your windows closed if you leave the house. Those kinds of basic block and tackle things. But the reality is you need to have a trusted advisor. So having someone, and um, you know, I'm part of the insurance industry, I love insurance, and I'm going to say it, having somebody like your broker help you understand, like, if you have 12 controls you want to implement this year, 
which are the ones that are recommended as far as giving the biggest bang for the buck is in, in far reach and, and better stability within your program. So bring in a trusted advisor to help look holistically across your program and make recommendations of what you should be thinking about from an implementation perspective for a second, third. Well, speaking of insurance, uh, how important is cyber risk insurance? Uh, what do people need to know to make an uh, informed, intelligent decision on exactly how much coverage they should get? So there's two answers to that question. The first is cyber lives in all insurance. If you think about the areas of risk we've talked about, whether it be supply chain, operational, reputational, fiduciary, you name it, there is a cyber exposure and component to all. I am a huge fan of cyber insurance for a couple of reasons. One is it allows you to maintain a level of maturity around the program to your point we talked about earlier, which is that maintenance, that base level to play, that you know you have the right controls and the right things in place to be a responsible cyber citizen. Cyber insurance allows you to, you know, again, 48 hours is the average time for a company to go out of business that's mid-market because of a breach. 4.5 million is the cost right now of an average breach to a mid-market company. Most mid-market companies I know can't recover from a $4.5 million loss overnight, not to mention the cost of ransomware and the cleanup and everything else. So having that insurance and having that second set of eyes help you with assessing what you should be thinking about for a second, third, making sure you have the controls in place and help with that recovery and transferring that risk so that you know you've at least done the base level things right, I think is critical. From a coverage perspective, that's really on the ind- on the on the industry and on the company itself is with risk tolerance. You know, you think about risk in three areas. You have the zone of routine, the zone of surprise, and the zone of catastrophe. Here's the amount of risk you have to keep your lights on. You gotta have a firewall, you have to have a training program, you have to look at this compliance. The surprise is these are the things last year we didn't expect a deep fake attack or this or that. You know, what do we need to be thinking about now? And then it's the catastrophe of if there was a major reputational breach or a massive type of attack, how much do we want to think about that? So your broker can help you kind of understand your three zones and then allow you to put together a coverage or a policy plan that makes sense for you based on your risk appetite across the zones. How long does it take to get that kind of insurance? Is it a quick and easy process or long long and drawn out? It depends on every organization. For some, it's quick. For others, it's going to be long and drawn out. But the reality is at the end of the program, you come along with a lot more cyber maturity and a better understanding holistically of how you should approach risk from a life cycle perspective. So I think it's an exercise well worth everyone doing even though it might be painful. It's kind of like you got to have a shot at the doctor's office. You got to, you know, take your medicine, got to take our medicine with cyber. Well, training and good communication planning is always important when preparing for cyber threats or any crisis for that matter. Do you have any best practices to share for how federal agencies and companies could be better prepared for cyber attacks? Absolutely. So cyber training, cyber awareness is one of my favorite topics. And I love to say we always brief our boards, but we forget about the janitors. And the reality is, is that from cyber training, we need to make sure every employee, every contractor, every person that touches our organization has a base level of understanding of their role within the cyber, in essence, kill chain. What could they be exposed to? How could they be targeted? And what should they think about? So 
creating training programs that understand the human element, not just I can get through a, a compliance level security training course in, I think I timed myself. The best I've ever done is 57 seconds. Boom, 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 click, 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 click. Do you think I learned anything? No. So you have to think about the human aspect of training. You know, what is going to resonate with your employees? Two, how do you check them? So how do you make it so that you can have, you know, a, a type of exercise or tabletop to make sure that the trainings you've put forth are actually going through and, and sinking into the organization? The third piece is, is to make it fun and interactive you know, incentivize good behavior, incentivize good learning, make sure that security is not the barrier to entry, but the, the, in essence, enabler to good, awesome digital experiences. Unfortunately, we're almost out of time today, Kate. Uh, Considering everything we've discussed, uh, what do you hope people will take away as uh, the key messages when they think about the dangers that cyber risks uh, pose for their organizations? You know, I think there's a fear, Edward, about cyber. We hear about these headlines. You know, we hear about, you know, cyber warfare happening and cyber weapons being released into the public. You know, we hear about organizations going out of business. We hear about, you know, a, a company that I looked at in Dallas, you know, they had a ransomware attack and the, and the owner had to sell within three months because the board said it's too hard to handle cyber. It's happening every day. We hear it every day. But the reality is, is that if you can get your hygiene right, if you can maintain a base level, the innovation that having a knowledge that you're secure from a cyber perspective gives an organization to be creative, to reach out from a supply chain, to create new solutions, to embrace the metaverse, to look at this amazing, brave new world we have and continue forward in a way of incredible digital transformation, the benefit outweighs the risk. So Having a trusted advisor, working with the experts, working from kind of a three-prong approach from understanding your risk, understanding your technical maturity from a security program perspective, and then understanding how you transfer the risk through things like insurance. If you get that right, the innovation that businesses can create in today's amazing world is well worth it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Kate. Thank you, Edward. It was a pleasure being here. That's it for this edition of the Crisis Ahead podcast. My guest today was Kate Keene, Chief Trust Officer and Managing Director at Aon. Be sure to come back next week for more advice and insights on preparing for, managing, and recovering from a crisis, or subscribe to Crisis Ahead wherever you get podcasts. For the latest examples on how to prevent, respond to, and bounce back from a crisis, be sure to read my stories on Forbes.com where I'm a leadership strategy senior contributor. Remember, it's not a matter of if a crisis will hit your organization or company, it's when. And the sooner you are prepared for it, the better. Produced by HeartCast Media.